Hey, this is James Jude Courtney, Michael Myers, a.k.a. The Shape in Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and the soon-to-be-released Halloween Ends. And this is The Anthony Rogers Show. Thanks for joining us. Republican Anthony Rogers has no previous political experience. Rogers, a comedian, is well known for a podcast called The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, man, this is Tommy Chong, and right now you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's Carol Baskin, and you are listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, y'all, this is Kevin from Candlebox. You are listening to the funny man, Anthony Rogers. Hey, my name is Alex Sulkin, writer of Ted and Family Guy, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Lucky you. Hi. Thank you for watching the show. I appreciate it listening or whatever you're doing. Um, this episode is sponsored by Hollow G Hot Sauce. They gave me three bottles to try. I'm going to try them real fast for you. What do we got? What do we got? Eagle's Ale. Ooh, that smells super fresh. What's that? Oh, I'm just going to try it. Mmm. That's Eagle's Ale. That one's good. It's got a good fresh spice to it. Got to refrigerate after opening on these sauces. Um, let's see what else we got. This one's called Raven's Wine. That's interesting. A lot of peppers in that one. Mm. That one's a thick one, but it's good. You can tell it's made with real stuff because it's actually like kind of thick to it. You can tell there's some real ingredients in there. Mm. That one's good, though. It's got kind of a kick to it. This one's Baldur's Bane. Mm. That one's great. This would be good for like tacos or something. But like it's a spicier taco sauce. It says one pepper, but it actually has a pretty good kick to it. Um, I don't know. Eagle's Ale is probably my favorite one I just tried. But uh, check out some Hollow G hot sauce. Support the sponsors. Stay till the end for Smompty Soul doing a new song off their new album. Welcome back to the greatest show in the entire universe. Um, today we have an absolute legend in the horror genre and just in general, uh, James Jude Courtney from Halloween uh, 2018 and Halloween Kills most recently. Uh, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? Good, man. Good. It's, it's funny. I, I mix up the names of um, Mike Myers and Jason because it's like the shape in the script. Like, and, and, and I, like, I'm like a, a old, old school like, uh, like Halloween nerd, and I, I always call it the shape in my head. And then I, and I mess it up by like calling it like Jason or Michael Myers or something. <laughs> do people do that to you? It's more or less why I was asking that. Oh, man. People do it all the time. They're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 James Courtney was in Halloween. Um, he, he plays Jason. And I'm like, <laughs> no. Kane Hodder does. Doug Tate does. Like, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering because, like, I, I like it, it flew off the tongue wrong. Like, I, I knew it was wrong as I'm saying it. You know, like, I was like explaining to somebody that you're on the show, you're going to be on the show. And I was like, I was like, yeah, man, he played Jason in Halloween. And I'm like, oh, that's not even close. Like, <laughs> It's fair, man. It's a it's a fair. I mean, because really, there's the, the two I think very very iconic characters that are. you know. It, it's fair enough, man. And and they but both of them are in the you know lodged in the subconscious of of the you know of the mass consciousness. So glad to be there, man. It's weird seeing you like as a normal guy. Like you just look like as some dude right now. But like I, I, you're like terrifying in these movies and like your makeup effects on your IMDb and stuff. I mean, I, like you you can really transform into a monster pretty easily. It's crazy. Like you're just like a a dude right now, you know. 
<laughs> well, you know, part of it, man, is, you know, I've done, I've done a tremendous amount of psychological, emotional, spiritual work. I've done shamanic work in the jungles of Peru. I've done That's North crazy. American shamanic work with, I mean, African, uh, um, African Ibogaine. I mean, so I've gone to some really deep, dark places. And, and in that, I've, um, I've come to know that I'm very comfortable with the fact that there is a stone cold assassin that lives inside me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a really... I, I choose to focus on, you know, my spirituality um, and being a, a kind, compassionate human. My, my, my dad was, dude, he was serving the 101st Airborne, you know, so in, in Korea. So my dad was a badass, but he was also the kindest, most compassionate man you, you'd ever meet. That's kind of what heroes are, man. Like heroes are just like men of action during the times you need heroes. And then like normal dudes are in the rest of it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a great role model, man. I, I, I was really blessed. He and my six brothers, uh, I, I mean, he, he, he not only raised us, he trained us, which was, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm so blessed by that. That's crazy. Yeah. After you said that, you kind of have that military vibe. It makes sense. Like, like that your dad would be like, that. that's crazy. Um, what's different about you as a main character is like, you were like a stuntman and stuff too. Like, that's like, like you have to do some crazy stuff to be uh, Mike Myers. I feel like, like that's like your Michael Myers rather. Yeah. Um, well, 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 part of it is, uh, you know, when I went out to, to, to California, I went out to just be an actor. And, um, and my idea with that was to be an actor so I could get enough power so that, uh, you know, that, I could start making my own films and the studios would give me bunches of money. And uh, early on when, um, when there was, uh, when they were casting for Conan, the adventures of Conan at Universal Studios, um, I got an audition to do swords and I'd done martial arts in seventh grade. So it was a natural fit. And then in that show, um, my friend from University of South Carolina, uh, Alex Daniels, who's the current president of the Stuntman's Association, I got offered to do a job that, you know, I, I play a character that did a high fall and I was afraid of heights because I'd fallen off a slide when I was a kid. Oh, wow, but he's yeah. like, dude, you're not passing this up. So he took me to uh, Bob Yerkes where they trained Circus of the Stars. And I, I learned to do high falls off of the um, off of the trapeze. And so it was just it was just the universe conspired to make me an actor stuntman. I, I did. It wasn't intentional. That's crazy. Yeah, everybody just kind of fits in when they fit in. You know, it's like. I, like in the, in the entertainment, I guess. Uh, that, so what are some other crazy stuff that, I mean, that would a normal person like me would just be like, what? <laughs> like, they, like you had to do is like a stunt man. Like, like, is there anything they like frightened you outside of heights or anything like that? Or like, like initially you? No, um, you know, the height thing was only, and by the time after an hour working with Alex, I was scampering up. I think it hit 70 feet that day. Um, and, and it was fun. I realized, whoa, this is fun, man. And, and so um, there are things that was a stunt man. There's a, a movie where I was going through a glass window and, and I knew I was going to get cut. I just oh, knew. Yeah, yeah, no, and I ended up having three surgeries on this hand. So, oh, that's crazy. You know, but the thing is, is you just have to steal yourself, man. And you just, you know, when, and when it's when it's go time, you freaking go, and you think about it later, man. It's, and in fact, on, in that particular show, when the the nurse was yanking glass out of my hands, and there was a pool of blood around me because they're irrigating, so the water mixed with the blood, so the pool is huge. Um, the actor uh, passed out. <laughs> he saw crazy, the blood man. on the pool. <laughs> yeah. No, I bet that's nuts, man. Like, yeah, I mean, your job is like definitely more intense than most jobs, probably. I mean, especially in entertainment. I mean, I think most jobs in entertainment are kind of soft. I mean, outside of the outside of like stunt, like outside of like what you do, probably. Like, I mean, like, like I mean, they have long hours or something, but they're not really. You know, I mean, it's not really like strenuous. I feel like. Well, not physically, but emotionally, it is. I mean, fair, it, fair. It, you know, it's really. I mean, acting is so much more difficult than um, than people would think it is, and it's why so few people are really good at it. Um, it you have to go places <laughs> and do things inside yourself. That that and, and and honestly, my theory is it's why so many actors are, are alcohol and drug abusers, because you got to temper that. 
I mean, you got to find a way to temper it. You know, I do it with athletics, you know, beach volleyball and, and martial arts and, you know, or, or I get on my motorcycle and take a long ass ride. You know what I mean? It's like, there are ways to, you know, to, to, to move it, but it's, man, once you embody those energies, it can, it can really fuck your shit up, man. Yeah. They're all just, um, they're all just chasing dopamine in several ways. Like, I mean, I, I think the dope, I think that kind of like does help like acting and being a different person kind of thing. Like it's like anybody could be anybody if they focus on it. I mean, but yeah, you're right. It does take a lot. I mean, for good actors, it takes a lot of work. I mean, um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a couple questions I got from uh, people online that I was asking and, um, telling them that you're going to be on here. Let's see here. This is like, I was telling you, like I said, Jason initially in the thing, because I'm an idiot. Like, and then someone goes, you mean Michael Myers, right? I'm like, oh my God. Yes. Like I, I kept it because it's like, I kept it because it's, it's good to like, I think it's good to own mistakes, man. Honestly, like rather than just act like, you know, everything. This guy was just happy. It was you. He's like, he's like uh, James Jude Cordy. I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, can't wait. He was just happy. It was you instead of like a different, a different uh, Michael, Michael Myers. Um, Google claims his net worth is 1.1 million. How accurate is the search results on that? Like for like, is it more or less? I think he's asking if your net worth is 1.1 million. Ah! <laughs> we'll put it this way, man. The, the only the only three people who know my uh, my income are my accountant and the IRS and myself. That's it. Um, as far as all, all that Google stuff, man, there is there's so much wild information out there that is just not true. I was I mean, wondering that yeah, too. Also, like after you asked that, it made a good like point because I remember like uh, celebrities in the early two thousands saying that like Forbes would say they're a millionaire, and they were like, and they weren't, and the, like 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 Lindsay Lohan would complain about that a bunch. She's like, everybody thinks I'm a millionaire because Forbes keeps printing I'm a millionaire. Well, you know, the thing is, is you know, in our industry, when you when you've been here, been around a long time, um, you do well, and and oh, you, you know, if you do well and you're smart with your money, you do better. Um, but I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like someone's net worth and someone's income. I mean, if you want to broadcast it, fine. That's, that's your business. For me, I'm a very private person. Um, you know, I'm low key. Um, you know, and so I, I, I live by this model, you know, I work hard. Um, I, I'm, I try to be generous with, with the, 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 you know, the, the rewards of, of my work, but I also, um, you know, my father raises to be conservative with our, with our, with our resources, because, you know, and especially in my industry, man, I mean, you know, I can go a year without work. I can go, you know, that is crazy. Uh, and so, you know, I, I've, I early on started planning for, um, for long spaces of time that I might not be working and, and it's paid off for me. I've, I've never really been in bad shape. I mean, I've gone through hard times for sure, but um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, who gives a rat's ass how much money? <laughs> I, the guy who asked the question, he's like an entrepreneur kind of guy. I think he asked it for like motivation. He's like, uh, he's, he's really into like starting businesses and stuff. And that's like what, uh, that's, oh. that's like what he, I can tell, I can tell the energy why he asked. I know the guy, um, huh. this guy's more into like the props and stuff. It seems like he's like, uh, how protective were, uh, were they of the props? Not just the mask. I know they used multiple versions, but all the props and, uh, like, uh, were they protective of them? Basically is his first part of his question, I think. Oh yeah. Big time, man. That's big what I heard time. too. Oh, I mean, uh, props, uh, what Emily, um, did with the, uh, with the costume because they didn't want anybody to know exactly how she scarred it and what, what, what color variations she used. And, um, you know, of course, Chris Nelson's, um, uh, prosthetics are just insane. The guy is one of the most talented human beings on the planet. Um, so they are really, really guarded. Um, in fact, I remember, if I'm remembering this story correctly, uh, when we were shooting the first, when we were shooting the, um, I think the first night, the first time we, I wore the mask, um, uh, it, was a, it was an outdoor, uh, you know, practical location, and somebody was hired, I think he was from New York, um, but nobody was supposed to have any cameras on, on set, no one was supposed to have a phone on set, and some dude who was hired out of New York 
took a picture of me in the costume walking and then posted Nick Castle's back is the shape douchebag, you know, and, and, and the dude was on a plane back to New York the next day. Yeah. I and heard he, some sets are like that. Yeah. No, I, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. People, uh, I, I was in like a, I was in a movie on that was on Netflix and the people warned me about that, but the director didn't care like that. Like, like that, like Halloween's way more about that. I think that's what I, I heard that too. It has to be, man. You know, because because part of the industry secrets. I mean, oh yeah, man. And the the anticipation. It's the magic, you know. It's like the you don't want to see stuff like that. I mean, you don't want to ruin ruin like film magic. You want to be terrified when when you see a Halloween movie. You want to be terrified. I mean, that's what everybody wants, you know. Oh, absolutely, man. And if you already know what you're getting, you're not going to be terrified. You're right. Absolutely, one hundred. No, I agree. Is it weird? Um, this is just my. This isn't a question someone asked, but like, is is it? Um, you feel more. It's easier for you to be like this evil character when your face is covered more so. But like that's like you can kind of transition into that easier, or would it be harder? Like if uh, you just had to straight face it without makeup or props or anything. Uh, it doesn't matter because what, what matters is where where you are. In fact, um, uh, at the time, uh, my my fiance, but now you know she's my girlfriend. Then um, when we were shooting kills, uh, I was rehearsing a particular scene. You know where I yank him through the window, and there's a certain thing that happens to me when I go into that space, and the you know my my mafia buddies call it the doll's eye. Um, I'm, everything leaves my eyes. I, all the life leaves my eyes. It's just I'm dead. My eyes are dead. That's crazy. That's crazy. And she'd never like she'd never seen that before. And but when we were rehearsing, I, I went to that place, but I didn't have the mask on. And she uh-huh. was like, "Wow, that's the first time I've ever seen what you're talking about. Like the doll's eye. It's a dead eye, man. It's it's it's, and, and that's not me anymore." Yeah, for that role, I mean, you, you'd almost have to do something like that. It's a very dark role. I mean, and that, I mean, and not anybody could do that. I mean, I, I don't think a guy like me could do that. I, like, that's crazy to uh, just kind of picture like that. And you said, like, uh, what kind of – you t- touched a little bit in the beginning. Um, what, what kind of, like, preparation was this? Like, you, you went to the jungle and some other things. Like, what, what kind of preparation gets you to where you could, like, come from the inside out like that? Like, you know? Well, it's it's. I think it's it's like a buildup of all, all these years. You know, I mean, the first film I did, Freeway Maniac, I stayed in a, a lockdown ward to, you know, oh, interview and live with that's crazy. Phoenix, you know, who committed murder. So um, I have, you know, I had a housemate for a time who was uh, uh, just out of prison, and he was a uh, he was a mafia hitman, he was a made man, um, and you know, so we worked on killing techniques. Um, you know, we crazy. worked out together. You know, we um, super super. And, and I got to tell you, man, I've known several. Um, you know, several capos, like older, you know, made men, not young guys, but these were older guys that I met back in the eighties and nineties. And, um, they were really great guys, very talented guys, very funny guys, you know, and, and they were very honest about who they were. And, you know, and so, you know, you just don't, you just don't accept a favor from them. That's all. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, don't take a favor from them because then you all, you know, I own you for the rest of your life. But, you know, so so we we talked about you know that that sort of thing how you how you you go to a place, and then you know doing the the rituals that I've done you know in South America and North America and whatever the African rituals, um, you go to you have to be prepared to go to a dark place. And I use breath, I use the breath to get in there, and I use the breath to get out of it. And I think that's where Heath Ledger had problems is he didn't know how to get out of it. He elaborate on the it. breath a little bit. Elaborate, elaborate on that for like uh, like women like myself. Like, what does that mean? The breath. Okay, so um, decades ago, a friend of mine, Max Strom is his name. Uh, you can find him on maxstrom.com. He, um, he, he started teaching yoga in my house, and he'd been a rock and roll star. I mean, literally like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan opened for him, Chris Isaac opened for him. He That's wrote wild. nine movies, Best of the Best, you know, American Yakuza. I mean, the dude, dude had a story career. So now, and we started working on breath together early on, and he was teaching me, really. Um, 
And so there are various breathing techniques you can use to bring yourself into various states of mind and states of consciousness. Right now, he teaches breathing around the world. And literally, if you have high anxiety, he can get you out of that in, in, in one session if you follow his recipe. Um, so what I do is I breathe it into me and then it inhabits me. And at that point in the game, it's no longer me. It's not, it's not me. I have a little piece in here up there where I can edit and I can pay attention to blocking and camera or direction if it comes to me, but it's not me. And then when I'm done, when I hear check the gate or if I have to check out to go look at the monitor or talk to David, the director, um, at that point in the game, then I will breathe it out, literally consciously breathe it out and just feel it leave. And then I'm back to myself. That's crazy. Like, do you think it's something like, uh, this, this is kind of a crazy question, but uh, do you think it's something like demonic in you or something? Like when you do that, because I've heard a lot of rappers elaborate on this, like in these, like, uh, like these uh, YouTube videos, like where they talk, like Beyonce has, has said something similar, but not like in a terrifying way. Like, she, like she'll say something like something comes into her, like to where like she almost when she's on stage, she's not herself type thing when you're shooting and similar with your shooting. Do you think it's like some kind of entity or you think it's just like where you put your mind through these techniques? Well, I'm open to the idea that it's a co-mingling of entities. Um, That's I'm, what I'm sorry? a co-mingling of entities. So okay. it might be multiple entities. I have a, a spirit guide of mine named uh, Basil Rathbone, who was like for decades, the highest paid character actor in Hollywood, played a lot of bad guys. Um, he was in Captain Blood and, and um, uh, you know, he, he worked with Errol Flynn a lot. Um, what was it? Uh, I mean, uh, Robin Hood. I mean, tons and tons of movies. Um, he was also like myself, more inclined towards spirituality. So deep meditation, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I, for me, I believe like the ancient Greeks, the ancient Greeks believed when they were acting that, that spirits were inhabiting them. And I do believe that that's a part of what I do. So when I breathe it in and create the space for this character to exist, I don't exactly know who it is that's in there, but it ain't me. Yeah, I've, I'm almost one of those. I've heard, I've heard like uh, several artists kind of refer to that. Like, uh, like yours sounds more like obvious why you do it. But I mean, a lot of people I understand completely. Like your character, you need to be this like crazy, dark, evil thing. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like what it. I mean, it just makes sense. Well, these guys, I'm not really certain like why they, um, why, why they would like, uh, like go that route, like a rapper or something. You know, what I mean, like I feel like it's just not as dark. You know, I mean, like, it is, I guess, in a way, but you know, I mean, not as not as dark as Michael Myers. You know what I mean, well, I think the idea is to control. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so if, if, if I'm the one who gets to control this body, I get to breathe it in and breathe it out. I also, you know, frankly, I, every time before I work, I wrap myself in a blue ring of protection from Archangel Michael. So I, I am invoking Archangel Michael's protection for me when I work so that the dark energies can't do anything more than now. I'm not telling anybody what to believe, but I'm telling you it works for me. No, you know. for sure. Yeah, no, I'm, that's why I'm asking. I, that's why that's why I know you to be on here. I want to hear your perspective, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, and, and honestly, man, it gives me the freedom to really go deep because I, I feel safe enough to. And then, and frankly, when you're working with a, a director like David Gordon Green, who creates an incredibly safe place to explore the limits of your creativity, um, that makes a huge difference, too, because I'm not worried about any kind of negative energies hitting me on the set. David creates, a, you know, just a beautiful sandbox, a beautiful palette. That that you know, let's say a blank canvas, but on the on the perimeters, he's created protection for everybody. He's fiercely loyal. He's fiercely protective of everybody in his in his house. So um, that also plays a bit, of, you know, a really really big part in it. No, it's crazy to think about like what an actor has to go through for that. Like, I mean, I see, no, it seems insane on that. Um, let's see what else. Some more people have questions. Um, I think we already kind of covered one of these, like. What do you use for inspiration and stuff? Um, how do you? How would you compare your role to the um to uh, 
the previous like similar movies in the franchise like what what difference uh, differentiates you from like uh the past uh like michael myers you know that's it's a fair question um but so what i've chosen to do is not intellectualize this process or or my relation to any part of it until i finish halloween ends until it's released um because for me it's a deeply spiritual experience it's completely right brain and spiritual um, the left, the only part of my left brain I use, the only analytical part I use is the part I need to be able to do the technical aspects of filmmaking, which are, which are critical and, and, and very, you know, clearly very important. Um, and, and especially in terms of safety, when you're getting, you know, violent and, and fighting multiple people, and then you have cameras and you have 130 people on a set. Huh. I mean, especially when you're dealing with fire, you know, no, so, yeah, some crazy stuff. Oh man. And fire is crazy, man. Cause it'll, you can't control it. It'll. It's got a mind of its own, man. Talk about talk about spirit. It's got its own spirit, dog. Yeah, you couldn't have facial hair or any kind of like hair hair for the, your role, probably, man. That just eat you a lot. Like like any kind of fire you're around, that'd be like such a liability for you, man. Well, that's why we waited at 2018 and Halloween Kills. We waited till the last days to shoot the fire, because if I'd have gotten burned in the middle of the show, then they would you know, they, they they would have been sunk. They would have lost you know without me. So. Yeah, um, we waited the last days and, and, and but back to tell you, man, I live, I live for it. Fire is really dangerous. It was extremely uncomfortable, incredibly hot. I mean, burning hot. And I'm talking burning hot while I'm wearing two Nomex suits soaked in fire retardant gel. I mean, it was burning right that's through That's crazy, there. man. Like, you know, and going through the house, I had to keep my eyes closed and I had to count the steps to the door because if I had opened my eyes or if I had breathed, I would have burnt my lungs or I'd have burnt my eyes. Then when I got to the door, I could I could just barely open my eyes enough to see, and then I had to count the steps to the edge of the porch because if I missed that, I was I was going to tumble down the stairs, and that's, and so you know that's all that is really really strictly rehearsed a lot of safety measures, um, you know a lot a lot of safety measures. But at the end of the day, man, um, Walter Scott is a stunt coordinator on Backdraft. I worked with him on Far and Away. I was wondering. He, I was wondering if they do the same tactics as backdraft. They, they like Matt. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just got high pitched. No, no, no. Yeah, he, he, he asked me that, but but he told me he you know we're sitting oddly enough sitting smoking a cigar on far and away, and he's like you know Jimmy I every day I wondered if if someone was going to die on my watch because that fire was so you know just so unpredictable and that roof scene where they're pulling the pin out and the and the and the and the roof is falling in. The dude fell and huh. and he came this close to like just being engulfed in flames and dying. So, Man, so wild, the, 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 the protocols they go through, Aaron Armstrong was a stunt coordinator on Halloween Kills. He did an amazing job, but he brought in former FDNY um, uh, firefighters from, you know, to, to, to control the situation because, and then there was a whole bevy of fire, local firefighters from, from Wilmington. Um, it's 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 a big deal, man. I don't think without I don't think without a film like back, uh, without Backdraft, you wouldn't have a film like Halloween Kills. Almost like I, I, as good as it is, I think that was like a, the predecessor of like the firework. I mean, I saw that as a consumer as a kid. Like uh, at uh, Universal Studios has that setup still, I think, or did did like twenty years ago or something. And I saw that set, and it was it was it was just nuts. And that was probably like the kindergarten version of it because they have tourists. Like I, I, I mean, without that, I mean, you wouldn't have these great effects. I don't think, man, that was just a mastery of film, you know. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, and, and, and honestly, it would take a director like Ron Howard to do it. It's, you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, somebody who's supremely confident uh, and, and, and David, you know, DGG is, is that he's, you know, I, I draw that comparison between uh, David and, uh, and Ron a lot. Um, 
And for everything that Ron Howard is, David Green is more. You know what I mean? So, um, but it, it takes that kind of confidence in a director. Either that or you're just a slack-ass nutcase, in which case you're going to kill somebody. You yeah, know? yeah. No, like, uh, they're, they're, it's funny, like, the difference between those two directors, because I think, like, uh, I think Green's way more of just a director, like, kind of, like, a very good director, probably a better director than Ron Howard. But Ron, but Ron Howard just, like, he went through every spectrum of, like, Hollywood, you know? He's, like, the TV shows, the the movies, the, uh, I mean, he was in, like, one of George Lucas's first movies, I mean. And, and like, it's, I mean, he, he's pretty much done every, spe- I mean, that's a crazy comparison because they're so different and like awesome in different ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, they are. But, you know, when it comes down to the essence of it, they're genuine, they're confident, they're loyal. Um, and it's just, you know, the, the working with, and you're right, uh, Ron's a little more removed when he's directing. David is in the sandbox playing with everybody. I was wondering that. Yeah, no, I was kind of wondering that because their, their attitudes, like, because Green just seems like, he just seems like a director, like a really good director. That's like his focus, you know what I mean? From my perspective, yeah. at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you'll be in the middle of rehearsing a scene or even working on a scene, and he'll go, yeah, this is not working. He'll pull out his laptop and tap out a new scene. You know? and <laughs> I like then, that. And it's like, and 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 he'll take he'll take advice or or, or comments and or, or you're like, hey, shape, shape, come here, look at this. Well, what do you think of, or you know, he'll the first first or or the you know, DP or a camera person, or it doesn't matter, a grip, craft service, it doesn't matter, man. It's like he is just he's just absorbing every ounce of creativity on that set. And I think to do that, you have to put your ego aside, which he very successfully does. Yeah, I think for any kind of art, you have to. I think you just have to be like the authentic best version of yourself. And that's all that ever works. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, man. My opinion, and man. for anything. I mean, no matter what we do, right? Yeah, being a dentist, if you're drawn into like dentistry, yeah, you better be like yourself. You know, it's like there's no difference really as far as like authenticity, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what kind of stuff? You said you work on Halloween ends now, or like is that like in the future? Or, like, oh no, we, uh, I actually travel to Savannah tomorrow to um, oh. meet with David, and um, we, we got some things to work through, and then I'm doing wardrobe tomorrow, and uh, I think principal starts next week, so we'll be shooting, uh, you know, January, February, March, and wow. then you know it gets released in October, dog. It's it's you know, it's 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 a wrap. But Tim Alverson is the editor. He's been the editor on the first two. He's amazing. I've I've, I've been. Uh, um, happy to spend time in the uh, editing bay with him. And he starts cutting on the very first day and he knows exactly what he wants. So by the time you're finished principal photography, he's a week or two away from his first cut. Wow. And his first cut is usually 90% of what, and then I've been down at Rough House in Charleston with um, Tim and David. And we've gone over various cuts of particular scenes going, okay, how does this feel? What's that look like? You know, so then you're just, you're getting into the minutiae at that point, you know, when you're getting down to the, and then, and then once he cuts it, man, and then you get that crazy, crazy score from John Carpenter. It's all over, man. Hey, I'd like you to support the sponsors of the show. Okay. Uh, Shady lady for pepper sauce. Check this out. It's, uh, Oh, it smells super fresh. Hmm. Tastes super fresh. And send me a little note. Anthony, thank you for your support. Don't be a pussy. The sauce ain't that hot. So support our sponsors. Shady Lady for Pepper Sauce. Do it. Thanks for watching this podcast. Yeah, Carpenter's a legend, man. I love Carpenter. Like he started this whole thing. Like uh, uh I think it's cool. What, what, what is he? Um, is he, he's kind of like removed from these movies, isn't he? Like uh, like he's not like. Does he do the soundtrack? You just said. Yeah, he does the soundtrack. That's crazy. And basically, okay. he he, um, he uh, signs off. He, he signed off on the project. Signs off on those scripts. That's rad. He's he, he's removed. 
I yeah, mean, these and, new and, movies and, are different in a cool way. It's like I, I like I like all the Halloween movies for like different reasons, and and like you kind of see there's a different director and different different styles and stuff, and I like it. I mean, I like I like just I like the alternative stories and kind of you know it's like they're good. I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, well, I, we're appealing to different you know different generations now, right? Fair, so yeah. You look at the and the TikTok generation is going to want something a little different than the baby boomer generation. And what's really amazing about a good film or a good director is, you know, which, which means, you know, a good editor and a, and a good soundtrack. And is if you can appeal to, you know, 14 to 94 year olds, man, you've done your job. I mean, I think you your know, film does that well. I, I, I think Halloween yeah. kills and like uh, in the Halloween, I think that does that well. I mean, that's, that's very smart. I mean, because everybody's scared of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I like everyone like has that fear in them or like, you know, it's like, I mean, so it makes sense a horror, horror genre to be able to do that, you know? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting is uh, we I've met so many fans who have never really seen a lot of horror and they had no they'd never seen Halloween, the original 1978, uh, some of whom their first horror film was Halloween 2018. In fact, that's awesome. A lot, a lot of people. And that's then a awesome. lot of people saw Halloween Kills. People I've met in conventions um, who've seen Halloween Kills didn't even see 2018, but huh. they heard that it was like this action packed you know, badass film. And so they wanted to see the action. So they're like John Wick fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they're makes like, sense. you know, and so what they've successfully done is drawn in people from other genre streams into, you know, into watching what, um, you know, what they, what, what we've all created, um, which is great, man. It's great. It's, it's, it's great. I, I love that. It's not just horror. I love horror fans, but it's not just horror fans. You know? Yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll get them too. But yeah, I know you'll get the that's smart. Yeah, you get the action, the new. Yeah, it's crazy because like you have all these people born since the seventies, man. So they so like yeah, they they'd see your movie first and like think that's the movie. That's crazy. Like I, like I, like a fifteen year old or something like that would have no distinguish. I mean, would have no difference unless they googled it and did the did the work. You know, they right. just saw it in a movie theater. They'd be like, oh, Halloween. You know. Well, and so you know, so, so uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, many of those people I've talked to. After they saw 2018, they went back and watched 78. That's so how my wife is. My, my wife couldn't watch like like a movie without watching every single movie leading up to it first. That's like that's exactly how my wife is like with the Matrix and like how, any kind of series like that. Yeah, I'm not that I, way. I'm really. like that too. I'm like because I had to catch up on John Wick. Yeah, so, I'm not really. So that I, I, I you know I mean and it all depends on you know how your mind works. But for me, film yeah. is, is, is an analytical process. I could so see I that. Get, you know, I'm going to enjoy films the way the average consumer does because I sit like this and I'm I'm studying it and I'm looking at angles and I'm looking at cameras and wondering which lens they used and you know so there's for me and, and so the blessing of that is when a film takes me out of my mind and I just completely lose myself I'm like whoa man that was an awesome ride that's got to be crazy and you view uh, it looks like sounds like you view film kind of like a cinematographer or a director does like like any kind of buddy i have that either went to film school or made movies or anywhere in between like they, like they view like you do like the, like the way you describe it like um like like and i was like kind of like a kid like and I'm, I'm mildly in films like halloween kills a way bigger movie than anything i've been in but 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 i've been in a couple of movies and like, and like the thing is, is like you know, like netflix and stuff like uh, um i viewed it as a kid like i'm i would change everything i'd be like oh man i would do this i would do this i would do this like that's how like, how i viewed it almost like as a kid like I just kind of like I love what people do, and I'd like just add on to it. My mom would always tell me when I was like three or something. Like you know, like you're really young. I would just like kind of do stuff like that, and like I, I feel like the way you view it's like kind of how my cinematographer friends view it, or like director friends or something. You know, the guys who went to school to get those shots. You know, and that's weird that an actor like for me, it's weird that an actor slash stuntman slash whatever else. I mean, you carry multiple hats would view it like that. That's interesting. You know. Well, I mean, I see myself as a filmmaker, and I and I think you know if you're a filmmaker, then there's all aspects. I am a writer. You know what I mean, and. 
Um, I, I'm, I've got, you know, two production deals. I've, I've been so close to producing my own films, you know, right. along the years. And actually, I'm grateful that they didn't happen because the screenplays I wrote then and the, you know, the, the scripts, and although they, I, I'm, I feel they would have been commercial and successful, um, weren't at the level of writing that I'm doing right now. So I'm really lucky that those films weren't made, but I've always been angling towards making my own films. But to me, whether you're a stuntman or a cinematographer or a director or a writer, you're a filmmaker. You're, you're hey, part of okay. filmmaking Okay, I like that, yeah. You know? So it, it's just, I think it's, a, I think it's a broad, broad mantle for all of us. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to see how everybody kind of views it, man. I, I, I've all, I grew up on entertainment. You know, I, I'm, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like we grew up with like television, internet, whatever else, you know, like, uh, and like, uh, I, I can kind of relate to what you said about the writing and looking back is like, uh, when I, it's like when I used to write songs, I'm 20 and now I'm like 35. Like I, I, I like have like a, a capsule of what it felt like to be 20. You know, it's like, it's like, it already, it already sounds dumb to me 15 years later. It's like, Oh man, I was an idiot kind of, you know? Like, yeah. And like, I can kind of see that. I mean, imagine like looking back at any kind of work, you're like, Oh, it could have been better because you grew so much since then, you know? Yeah. Isn't that the idea? I mean, um, I guess so. I mean, yeah. And then I, I marvel at guys like Matt Damon, for instance, you know, who not only was his talent refined, you know, in his, his early twenties, um, but his person was refined. You know what I mean? Grounded, centered, you know, and not being swayed by the wealth or the, or the fame family man, you know, um, solid, not just not being dragged down by alcohol or drugs. I mean, right. those are those guys that really, I marvel at them because at 24, I was a knucklehead, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> we all were, I think, man, <laughs> but, but some of those guys aren't. And, and all fair. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point in the game, I'm really, I'm grateful that, um, that this is, you know, this this trajectory of my career is happening at this time, uh, because I feel like all my life experiences have brought me to the place where um, I can I can fully enjoy it. And you know, if you're getting caught up in alcohol and drugs and 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 you know, tons of women and you know, thinking it's all you and instead of understanding that you're just a small part of a big thing, um, I look back at those guys, my friends in the in their twenties and thirties and forties didn't really enjoy it, man. They weren't enjoying it. They weren't like embracing the moment because they were all fucked up. Yeah. You know? And they're doing what they thought they're supposed to do. I mean, culture kind of like makes you seem like you have to like, if you want to be a musician or like artist, it makes you seem like you have to do drugs to be creative almost. But, like the most creative people I know are sober probably. And like, uh, and I used to smoke, I used to smoke and drink and all that stuff. I mean, I, I recently just stopped all that. And my, my, just my energy is so much more on point than like just saying like, that's crazy seven times during a podcast, you know, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, and I'm all down. I mean, my my attitude is like, do it. I mean, do what works for you. Do what works, yeah. You know, I'll do what works for me. But I do find uh, that you know that that uh, moderation, you know, is. I mean, there there I go through long periods of time where I I don't smoke or drink, and then I'll go through it'll then it'll be right, and then I'll drink, and then I'll, or I'll smoke, and but but that's kind of more kinda, that's kind of more how I have. you nailed it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just saying like it's kind of that's kind of oh, how I feel. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Time and place. But then it becomes appropriate because I think um, then, you know, then we can enjoy the moment. Like if we're having, if we're having drinks with a friend, you can enjoy, I mean, going to a really cool bar or, or being when you're, when you're traveling with your wife, you know what I mean? Or enjoying a nice bottle of wine and, you know, or uh, enjoying a, a, a nice craft brew or, you know, some kind bud or whatever it is, you know, uh, it, with your friends or with, you know, then it becomes experiential and then you put it down and you go off and be productive, you know? Yeah, yeah, I used to have I used to have a hard problem with that, but no, no, no. 
I would just smoke constantly as a kid. Like I was just, I was stoned for like 10 years probably, you know, but I, but I feel like <laughs> that's how I feel. But no, I think you're right though. That's, that's what I mean. I think we learned in the age and stuff. And I'm like, and even at 35, I'm kind of looking at it and be like, man, that was kind of dumb. I, you know I mean, I feel like I could have just like, he's like, your vibrational energy is so much higher, not intoxicated. Like, I mean, like you could just like it's it's easier like to cat to get all your goals done in a in a more positive way without any, any of that dark stuff, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I you know, I think for me, part of it too is is having um seeing friends' lives just just destroyed by addiction. The harder drugs, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, no. Like those, I mean, I, like any any one of my buddies that I smoked weed with in my twenties, like started doing like heroin or meth. They're like they're like a shell of themselves or dead, you know? At this point. Oh yeah, it's yeah, fucking it's it's sad, bro. And it's so it's so draining to be around those people. I mean, because they'll at a certain point, it's not them anymore. It's, it's yeah. the addiction. You know what I mean? And then they'll just suck the life out of you. They'll suck the money out of you. Yeah. You know? And it's not like they, it's not like they mean to. It's not them. It's not them anymore. So yeah, they don't feel you know. how bad it is to steal from people. I don't think like they don't have that moral code. It's like sober, you have a moral code and compass. Like man, maybe I shouldn't rob my mom today. You know, but but. <laughs> But like, but like these people, it's like that. Uh, there's a rule. There's some movie that was like this. I forgot what it was, but but yeah, no, they like it's messed up. They all turn into like liars and thieves and then die basically or go to jail. I mean, it's really it's really sad. Like how well, like, you know, um, I did uh, a movie called uh, "When a Man Loves a Woman" with uh, Andy Garcia and Meg Ryan. That was a and, big movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, 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 let me tell you, man. Um, so the courier knocked on my door, uh, hands me the script. I sat down on my couch and I read the script. It was written by Al Franken. Right. That's so, crazy. I didn't know you know, that. who would think Al Franken would write this really touching, profoundly beautiful movie. But I right. read that script and I just cried. I mean, the humanity of it, the, the love of it, the understanding of the struggles that people do go through when they're battling addiction. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the compassions there, um, it, it's just, it, you know, I think it's a, it, and now we know that addiction has a lot to do with isolation, with connection, with some people with trauma you know yeah um, i'd say trauma is the biggest one i i'd say i'd say mask and that's the biggest one i mean that's why most things are done in probably america right now like i mean like like, like it's mk ultra everybody like the traumatic uh the people who have dealt their trauma are the easiest to manipulate and control i feel like in society oh, absolutely. and that's absolutely. what's being done i think that's i mean that's the biggest one to me is the trauma but yeah i know there's other things too like you're lonely or whatever or you're bored i think boredom was my thing i'd be like man i could sit around and be bored like but if i'd smoke weed i'd be like less bored doing boring things you know like, work, <laughs> like working and stuff i probably wouldn't have even went to college if i didn't smoke weed i'd like wake up and i'm like i'd be like fuck this <laughs> like, you know what I mean? and, then, yeah. and i'd smoke I'm like okay yeah i'll go to school and then like play the game whatever well you know i mean for instance uh you know back in the day for me um picking up a guitar you know you can grind for hours you, you know you, you smoke a little weed you can just grind for hours just grind and grind and grind yeah and grind. art's you amazing know, so like that it has its place you know it has its place i mean yeah um uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the quality of experiences, again, it, 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 I think it's, it's unique to the experience. And then, you know, in terms of filmmaking or music, um, you're right. I think, you know, Robin Williams said that, um, you know, he thought he needed cocaine to make himself funny until he got sober and he realized he was even funny. Yeah, I think I see that a lot of comedians and stuff too. I think a lot of them are, are nervous or shy, so they'll drink. Um, they'll drink or do cocaine or something like that, and like uh, get into it. And like, uh, yeah, I know I stay all the time. And yeah, I mean, I think it gives you the confidence, which makes you funny. But but I think that like, um, yeah, sober. I mean, vibrations are so much higher. You can you can take over a crowd sober way easier than you can on cocaine. I think like, <laughs> just, from, just from watching people, you know. Yeah, well, you know, back in the day in the in the eighties, uh, uh, Ronnie Kinney is a, was a comedian and uh, MC at the. Um, uh, at the comedy store and he still, he still works Vegas and whatever, but you know, through him, I met Dysandra Clay and Robin Williams and Sam Kinison and like all these guys. And sometimes 
and while we, my friends and I would go to the comedy store, well, so many of those guys had gotten sober by then. Ronnie would go around and collect because when you when you got on stage there, um, uh, Mitzi would give each comedian two drink tickets, so they got two free drinks. But there were so many of them were sober, so Ronnie would go around and cr- collect a handful of drink tickets. So my buddies and I drank for free, you know, because we had all these freaking drink tickets, and the, and the comedians were gonna and. But it was amazing because I got to see like Robin Williams and all these, you know, these great, these amazing comedians. And but it was amazing how quickly they got to the place where they had to be sober. And and then the careers really took off. No, I think that's I think that's definitely key, man. And like I, I definitely see that in a lot of comedians like uh, like I do comedy. A lot of my friends are, in, are into comedy and stuff like uh, so. I mean, I, that's the best, that's probably the closest to your job. Like like his acting is like sporadic and stuff. You know, it's like, like you have like three months here, like here. That's kind of what it is for a comedian, too. And like a musician kind of, too. Like we all have kind of the same hustle in different ways. You know, I feel like it's like a, like I don't have to set up a drum set or something, but it's basically like a band touring, you know, and then like uh, and same with the actors. I mean, you have you have a lot of chunks like I do, too. Like I probably most of my most of my year could be podcast and then summer I'll tour or something, you know, like I'll like, I could just be, you know what I mean? I could just be lazy all, I mean, and sell ads or whatever for a podcast, but then like summer is like my move, you know, that's when everybody's like out and stuff. And that's where you make the money in comedy. I think personally. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we're gypsies by nature then, you know, whether we're musicians or comedians or actors or, you know. Yeah, artists um, are just like that. It's weird. And American artists are kind of a different thing, too. Like, we have confidence, I think, like, more so. Like, like a lot of other, like, cultures, like, they don't, like, their artists can be, like, so, like, amazing. And, like, they just don't have any confidence. It's weird seeing that, like, like the difference between American artists and other, and, like, European artists or something. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I think the, uh, the interesting correlation is, um, is, is the British artists, you know, um, they actually, I think their their music scene is better than ours. Yeah, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Music, and it's so awesome. Like, I would love to have been in Manchester. It's so many different periods, you know, because Fair, the, yeah. the music that came out of there. Oh man, and and um, you know, and and their appreciation for. But I think because it's a small island, and like you can go twenty miles, you know, and and hear a different accent, hear a different dialect. That's true. You know? Yeah. And so the culture is so. It's so different and it's so condensed and it's so rich and it's so old. And, you know, so, um, I mean, I, I think, uh, well, it's, it's, why, it's why we fall in love with, with you know, the, the British invasions as they, as they occur over and over and over. And it's why they love our music, too, because, you know, I mean, we're so, we're so influenced with, you know, with, with jazz and blues. And, you know, think about this, man. Without blues... You know, and and the Irish, Scotch Irish, there would be no country, you know, country music. There'd be no rock and roll. Right, but what yeah. people forget is with the blues, the blues was influenced by the African, you know, the, the, by the by the by the tragedy that Africans went through. But people forget that the beats were Native American. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. Right? So the, the Native American beat, and then the African influence, and then you know, so you have that. There you get your blues, and then and then the jazz comes in. But then you know, the Scotch Irish, the the country, the, the the Appalachian influence, you know, all that coming together to create rock and roll. I mean, it's it's really beautiful, man. It's really if if we listen, you pay attention, you know. No, I agree. It's very American art, you know. It's like I, that all came from like America. I'd say, like, I mean, rock rock's debatable because like blues kind of took everybody there. But like, I'd say blues and country. And st- I mean, it depends. I mean, Elvis was first, I guess, or Rock Around the Clock. I was like, I uh, Bill Haley in the comments. I mean, that was technically the first like one. I think they credit at least. But how many people were playing this in their garage, going unrecognized, you know, or like at their house, you know? Oh man, you know, and and, and can, I, I would love to have gone back in that time when you know you could still go down to the Delta or you know go down some old country road in Georgia or you know or Alabama or Kentucky whatever just just 
you know, see some of that. Well, my uncle, man, my uncle Jim was, um, he was a merchant marine in World War II. He, uh, he was a gun runner with, for the IRA for, for a number of years, but he, um, he was in a motorcycle accident. He was an Indian rider and um, he was in a motorcycle accident. He was unconscious for like a year. And then when he came to, he was in a hospital for like another year. So he got one station, one country station out of Charleston, West Virginia. So his buddies would just bring him different instruments. So he learned to play everything, everything. Crazy. Had this beautiful pre-war Martin uh, guitar, but he played auto harp or a banjo, or drums. I mean, a violin, you know, fiddle. Um, uh, harmonica and you know so the influences that his his influence was country he played honky tonks you know around the east coast pretty much um but his um the influence was country but at the end of the day even as an older man he loved rock and roll he just loved rock and roll that's all great like time and place man and then as you get older the more i can admit i like country i, th- I felt like i liked it in the 90s as like a kid but i couldn't tell people that you know and then, and then now, like, like, like you're so judged if you liked rap or country as a kid i felt like and, and now i just love it all man i like i uh it's funny you said the mississippi thing was early uh, the delta things like i went to i went to the crossroads thing where like the robert johnson story like i went down there and like like i stopped at the gas station everybody just looked like they want to kill me i was like, like i was like the only i was like the only white person they just looked pissed i mean it was like i was like i still was nice and talked and stuff but i mean they i can kind of vibe them and they're like I, i'd probably like everybody just wanted to kill me it looked like it was a weird vibe <laughs> well, and that's and that's an internal thing i i think i find because i've been in so many you know um i mean i i i've, I've had I've known a wide variety of people and, and I, I find once people get that you're genuine and, and right. you have an open heart, I mean, criminals are criminals and thugs are thugs. And that, that knows no race, religion, country, geographical location. 100%. I mean, that, that's that. Yeah. But I, what I have found because I've had such experience, you know, a breadth of experience, like, you know, I sat with um, some uh, um, trades, Crips and, and, uh, in California because I knew the brother of little monster and big monster. Um, and that was back, you know, during the, during the, uh, Rodney King stuff and little monster had just gotten out of prison. So I had lunch with, uh, Kevin and his brother and little monster and, and, um, Robbie Robinson, who's a wonderful old stunt man, um, who was also a parole officer. And so we all sat and ate and, and at first little monster didn't trust me so much. I'm the only white guy sitting there, but then as, as he began to realize that, that how Kevin trusted me and how, how Robbie trusted me. Then as he relaxed, I got to see more and more of him and got to see just how intelligent he is and how creative he is. And he's become a spokesperson for, you know, for how to deal with the gang issues because he grew up in a really tough place and that was his way out. He thought. Um, And so, uh, you know, I've been accepted beautifully into Muslim culture and, you know, once people accept you into your culture, first of all, you get to experience the food. Yeah, that's the best part of every culture, honestly. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how you can be racist if you if you if you tried any kind of other food. Like, like, like you immediately just get the respect of like the human race, and and I think it's more that than anything. I think we forget that that's we're all just the human race, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's sad we have to say that. It's sad we have to say that, you know. <laughs> like, but yeah, man, you're right. Feed somebody some good food, and and you got a yeah. friend for life. You know? no, yeah, exactly, man. Like, and, I, and I'm used to like other cultures and stuff, but Mississippi was different, man. I'm, I'm in St. Louis, and I was, a, I was only white dude most in most situations still, you know, uh, at least I'm in St. Louis, where it's like 40% like, a, like African American and like mixed up other genres and stuff or whatever we classify everybody as. But uh, no, Mississippi was way darker, man. Those guys, those guys literally look like they want to kill me. <laughs> like, I, I can just, I can just tell them, like, I'm like, it's like, like, like it's almost like a guy like you. You seem like a guy who either, you would either buy my drink or kill me, depending on how nice I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your vibe. Like, you have the, you have both, it seems like, or you could be like, you 
could be someone's like best friend or worst enemy. That's the kind of vibe you got, you know? Uh, that's uh, pretty much what I am, man. <laughs> yeah, I can read that. That's what I mean. I can read like energy like that. I can kind of see how people are. Yeah. Like, uh, but dude, I feel like we'll talk for nine more hours. You, I can see why you're successful. You're easy to talk to, and you got a lot going on, man. Um, but if you want to, I mean, you're a huge star. So it's weird saying this. Uh, but if you want to throw out any links uh, that people could check you out or anything like that, uh, it's kind of weird when you've been in like a blockbuster movies and stuff. So I'm sure they know where to find you. But any personal things? Yeah, yeah man, it's easy. You know, James Duke Courtney on Instagram, James Duke Courtney on Facebook. Um, the, the the fan page. I don't even look at my personal Facebook page anymore. Um, <laughs> it got that, that just got a little too crazy, man. Um, you know, Twitter. Um, yeah, and it's it's um. It's, and those things are really great to stay stay in touch with you know stay in touch with the fans and you know I talk about that man the 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 fan base for for Halloween and so the people that I get to interact with there is absolutely no line of demarcation you know socioeconomics race gender preference True. like you know geographic location none of that matters and that's why I would encourage people to someday go to a horror convention because. You'll see a cross section of humanity, many of whom you would look at some of these people and go, dude, I would not want to meet you in a dark alley. And you'll meet the person and go, wow, that is the nicest son bitch I've ever met in my life. You know, so yeah, I this video is going to do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. No, so I would encourage um, your fans to um, to to experience a horror convention if you can, man. It's a great human experience. Yeah, I see a lot of those indie like filmmakers like they they like absolutely love your stuff like that. Those uh, there's like this like film scene of like these like uh, like bloody stab movies. I don't know how to call them. you know like just really kind of, kind of effed up movies, but they're good. But but uh, but they just love. I mean, there's a huge there's a huge market of those guys. And then you got you have the average consumer too. You have you have the super fan to the average consumer. I think with Halloween, and I think that's interesting. Like you said of of uh, being able to reach everybody. You know, I think that's important. And I think it's done successfully with your franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh yeah. Well, I think part of it. Again, I'll go, it goes back to being genuine. You know what I mean? It just goes back to being genuinely who we are. And frankly, man, I think if we if we were all, um, if we could drop our fear, you know, t- turn down the volume on our fear a little bit, yeah. and just recognize the humanity in each other, um, it, it could be just so much easier. I find it is. I mean, I, I, I'm 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 always ready. Uh, I think because of the way I was raised, I was small. I started martial arts early because I was being picked on. Um, so there's a part of me that's always ready to 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 defend myself or my you know or, or anyone really, um, and I, I kind of inherited that from my father. But um, but my tendency is not towards aggression. My tendency to, is towards understanding, and it always has been. And and I found that's really worked for me in the long run. No, yeah, it makes sense. Like I, I was surprised to see how like seemingly normal the guy who plays Michael Myers was. But I mean, I could see I could see that you wouldn't be in ten seconds. You know, I, I could see how. Like you could be different. Like, like I miss what acting is. I like could be different things and people and whatever, what other words, you know, but dude, thank uh, you for coming. I, I feel like I've talked, like, like I said, I feel like I talked, this file's gonna be so huge if I don't stop this. <laughs> but dude, th- I, I appreciate you coming on here, man. You, like you're a legend and like, thank you for your time and everything, man. And I wish you continued success and everything you do, brother. Cool. Yeah. So, so this song is called Exodus. It's on our new album, Black Pilled that came out, uh, in October. And, uh, this song is really, about fleeing places like like LA, which is where I'm from, um, in the in the midst of these times and and all the adversity that's going on, it's a, it's a good time to get away from cities and and a good time to uh, you know start start something new in in an area that's that's uh, a little less crazy. So, um, my wife and I fled LA and. Uh, 2013 and we live in rural Arkansas now and uh, 
um, one of the best decisions we've ever made. And so uh, that our situation was inspiration for the song, although we fled a long time ago, you know, I kind of imagined us still being there and, and what it would be like. And, and it led to this. So hope you enjoy it. And get out of 